This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast with Chef Mary Mamalidi. Window shopping is actually how I came up with the idea for Braille fashion. I was window shopping and I came across this really beautiful beaded jacket and kind of just had this aha moment. Why couldn't this jacket be stunning, but also functional? Like what if we moved all of these beads around ever so slightly to create Braille? When it comes to diversity and fashion, disability is so often overlooked. I mean, we've done great things for inclusivity, but there's still so much more to do. Diversity includes disability. That's Alexa Yovanovitch. She's a Braille fashion designer and the founder of the fashion brand iDesign. Using crystal beading to create inspiring and empowering messages in Braille on her clothing like Fashion is for Everyone, Alexa's focused on increasing diverse representation in the fashion industry. So making sure that diversity includes disability. And I can't wait for you all to meet her. Welcome, Alexa. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you here today because I can't wait for us to talk all about iDesign. So let's dive right in. I want to I want everyone to get a little more about you. Tell us about Alexa, about yourself. Yeah, so I have always loved fashion. Uh, growing up, I loved playing dress up. I knew really early on that I wanted to go into fashion. It's actually how I decided what uh, high school to go to growing up. There is one high school that had a fashion class. And I knew I needed to be able to sew to have a portfolio to go to fashion school. But mm-hmm. uh, once I got to fashion school, the love for design kind of shifted. It was less about the fashion and frivolousness of it and more about the power that design has to actually make change in the world. I had all these classes about diversity and inclusivity, essentially the mm-hmm. lack of it in fashion and kind of just had that spark where okay, I've got all these talents in fashion that I'm building. And now I want to do something really helpful with it, something that can actually change lives for the better. So I'm absolutely obsessed with design and all of its forms. And being able to take a passion like that and do something good with it, I think that really sums up who I am. Everything that I try to do, I just try to help others be the best version of myself I can be. And being able to do that with iDesign and working so closely with the disability community community has just been so fulfilling. I'm really happy that this is the path that life has taken me on. And that's what brings me to your business, iDesign. Where did this name come from? Because it's spelled A-I-L-L-E, but it's pronounced I. Yeah, the pronunciation is a pretty big misconception for a lot of people. So it Mm -hmm. comes from a French verb, actually. Uh, It's one of the conjugations from the verb aller, which means to go or to move forward. So essentially, everything that we're doing here at this company is the direction that fashion needs to move forward into. Inclusivity is the future and that's what we're working towards. There is so much thought put into every aspect of your business, which I absolutely adore. And you know, I'm a huge fan of yours. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, no, I think you can never do too much research. And I mean, we involve the community every step of the way. I never want to assume the needs of anyone, even just with the name getting, um, advice from others, seeing is this something that you would recognize with or like the logo? What do you think of this? What do you think of that? So Mm -hmm. it really is a community driven brand. You can never have enough feedback. I mean, in the end, we're making a product for the community. If you don't include the community in it, what on earth are you doing in this whole process? So yeah, definitely a lot of thought every step. Okay, so let's talk about 
the business. What makes iDesign so different? So we are the first brand to actually incorporate Braille as the main design feature. So all of our garments, they're more uh, simplistic and minimalist in their actual design silhouettes. And it's the Braille beadwork on them. That's the true focal point. It's the real wow factor of each piece. We add everything by hand. We use crystal pearls. They're really strong, beautiful, have this really nice tactile feel. So unlike a puppy paint or an embroidery, that shape of the Braille is never going to change. So it's incredibly legible. It can be machine washed. And because we're using these crystal pearls, it also just has this really beautiful elegance and extra sophistication. So it adds that real desirable fashion quality. So, so many times disability is overlooked in that fashion context, but Mm -hmm. this really helps to blend those two worlds together and really emphasize those connotations of beauty. And then with all the beadwork that we have, when I was in my initial research stages, all of the beadwork we were adding actually described the garment that was go- it was going on. So, for example, we have this really beautiful denim jacket. It's this light wash denim jacket. The back has these seven silver stripes. And on the stripes, each stripe is a different size and it reflects a category of information. So the first stripe on the back fairly thin and it just gives you a quick overview of the garment so it says oversized denim jacket underneath another fairly thin line it explains the color of the jacket so in this sense it would be a medium indigo faded wash but Mm -hmm. then after that you've got a substantially larger stripe and it describes all of the uh, sort of extra adornments on the jacket so that's where it explains that there are these silver stripes that the beadwork is black that it's going to be crystal pearls and beyond that, it starts to explain the fit of the jacket. So it's oversized. So the jacket actual Braille text tells you that it's going to hit you below the hip, that it's going to be a bit of a looser feel, but it's not too big. That's actually mm-hmm. how it fits. Tells you how to wash it, where it's manufactured. So essentially every single thing that would be on a garment tag inside is now beautifully displayed in Braille in a way that can empower all these different individuals can actually promote the importance of Braille, kind of cause that start of discussion. People are like, oh, that's Braille. But then if you can actually read Braille, you're able to independently determine exactly what that garment is and choose for yourself if you like it. So it's got all of these empowering qualities. But through those conversations we were having with the community, there's also a desire to have not functional phrases in the sense of describing what the item is, but more mm-hmm. personal uh, phrases. So we've got like a diversity includes disability, a fashion is for everyone, or you can actually customize what you want your Braille to say. So it really is full circle empowerment of you can read what it says, but you can also choose what it says. So it can be a really powerful message for you and something that helps you along your sight loss journey or just in mm-hmm. any journey that you may be on. And I love, I mean, one, the garments, like I said, I own quite a few pieces myself. Um, you can dress them up, dress them down. But what I love most is that it it sparks conversation. You have masks. And the masks were actually included in my Kitchen Confession holiday boxes. I love the fact that when you wear them, I can't tell you how many people have stopped me to ask me about them. Some people think, I know it's decorative, but I know there's something, there's a meaning there. So you get the conversation about Braille going. Where do you find your inspiration for your pieces, for your designs? 
So um, window shopping is actually how I came up with the idea for Braille fashion. I, like I was saying, like, I kind of just walk around looking for inspiration. I can be inspired by almost anything design wise. And Mm -hmm. I distinctively remember I was window shopping and I came across this really beautiful beaded jacket and kind of just had this aha moment. I made the connection between the similarity in size of the small beads and Braille and sort of just questioned, like, why couldn't this jacket be stunning, but also functional? Like, what if we moved all of these beads around ever so slightly to create Braille, and then it could empower others, it could be functional. And that's where it sort of just spiraled, immediately went home, did a ton of research, nothing even remotely closely existed, let alone almost no research on Mm -hmm. uh, individuals with disabilities in a fashion context, and sort of just hit the ground running, made a prototype and started reading, reaching out to locals to hear about their experiences with fashion and disability and kind of went from there. So yeah, definitely window shopping. I just love walking around and taking it all in. But I want to tap into the the mask because the mask design is on display at the ROM, the Royal Ontario Museum right now. Yes. Oh man, that was a very huge honor. That was a huge milestone of ours in 2021. Okay. So what was this about? What is, was it a special installation? Yes. So right now, um, the ROM has on display a collection that's very specific to the pandemic. It's called Unmasking the Pandemic. And they decided to curate all of these different artifacts from the COVID-19 pandemic and masks being the pieces that they chose to put on display. So they collected about 100 masks worldwide. And we were super honored when they reached out to us and asked if our mask would be included. And it's actually now for sale in the ROM boutique. So just amazing from the initial email of being, would you be interested in this? Absolutely. But to now have it be a part of their permanent collection, they also have one of our Braille scarves. And uh, I'm really honored that we're a part of it. We actually created the mask in collaboration with a local uh, Toronto company called Mm -hmm. I Love Your Mask. It was the very first collaboration that we did as a company. So that was already exciting in itself. But then for one year later to have that mask be on display in a museum, it's absolutely wild. But um, beyond being a personal fulfillment and a brand fulfillment, being able to have Braille on display in a national museum is just such an incredible win for the community. Now every single person walking through there gets to see Braille in this other context and seeing that empowerment. So similar to wearing it down the street and getting those conversations started, being in such a prominent place of high prestige, that also is just elevating disability as well and really proving how important it is to be inclusive. So, so many wins for so many reasons. And what's the message on the Braille masks and the ROM? The one that they chose was our original phrase. And that one says, chin up, mask on, just Mm -hmm. along the bridge of the nose. And that was a phrase that we came up with alongside the community to sort of be like, keep your head up. We're all in this together. It's going to be okay. And I want to tap into what are you currently working on? So the next piece that we're going to be launching is actually a blue dress. We've got this really beautiful long blue dress. It cuts at about the ankle. It's uh, like a racer back sleeveless. And it's this really beautiful blue cobalt. And there's a slit in the back, so there's easy walkability. And this one, unlike our current masks and t-shirts, it doesn't have just one phrase of Braille. This one actually has multiple paragraphs going down the front. So it's a really beautiful statement. And there's a lot of opportunity to have 
a beautiful braille message, whether that's a description of the actual garment mm-hmm. or that's maybe a really beautiful braille poem or that's a really beautiful personal story that's been brailled out. I know I recently got married and had I had more time, I really wanted to braille out my wedding vows and put that alongside my dress. So there's just a lot of opportunity for different types of brailing and the importance of those messages. But the blue dress is the next one on our list. And uh, we've got a couple really exciting collaborations in the works too. I can't talk about those ones just yet, but a lot mm-hmm. is happening. I promise you, Mary. You also have, um, I think you mentioned a white t-shirt with some black braille beadwork on it with the message diversity includes disability. Yes, that one has been a huge crowd favorite. Uh, The phrase itself is just so empowering. So this one is a white t-shirt and we have black braille beadwork on this one. And the message is diversity includes disability. And it really resonates with all of our uh, customers and anyone that we've really spoken to. There's just so much power in that message. As I was sort of saying earlier, um, when it comes to diversity and fashion, disability is so often overlooked. I mean, we've done great things for inclusivity, but it really kind of starts and almost ends with size inclusivity, which is mm-hmm. great, but there's still so much more to do. Uh, more recently, and thankfully, we've been including race and age and gender into the diversity mix of fashion. But even when conversations are strictly about inclusivity, disability still remains excluded. So absolutely there's a lot done there. So I think mm-hmm. that as a phrase in itself, whether or not you yourself identify as having a disability, it just so clearly shows what you value as a person. And it perfectly val- or resembles our value as a brand. Are you up for a couple of games? All right, ready for it. Okay, we're going to start with this or that. Okay, morning person or night owl? Oh, definitely night owl. Edamame or green beans? Edamame. Pickles or cucumbers? Oh, definitely cucumbers. I hate pickles. <gasps> really? Okay, can you hear that yeah, gas? I'm that weirdo. <laughs> Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate all day long. <laughs> no hesitation on that one. Absolutely not. Huge chocolate fanatic. Now, if you had to give up one of these two, which would you give up? Sugar or salt? I think sugar. Oh my gosh. Everyone's picking sugar. I feel like salt is just so much more diverse with cooking. It was like, <laughs> you gotta pick one. I mean, I can't have baked goods forever. <laughs> I'm Mary Memlidi, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Alexa Jovanovic, founder of the fashion brand iDesign. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, food. Describe, if, if you had to describe your cooking style, what would that be? My cooking style, I definitely have uh, more of an eating style. I love that. To present the cook in a relationship, and I benefit greatly <laughs> from that. Uh, in some ways, I'm really intimidated to try cooking. He's just so good. And I'm like, what I make will not compare. But uh, yeah, what I contribute to the relationship cooking style wise is that I know how to boil water. I make lots of sea for us every day. <laughs> uh, but it will grow. As I become a mother, I'm sure I will eventually have to start learning how to cook. Just, I don't know, with my priorities, cooking has never been at the very top. But I will fix that one day and I'll get back to you. I'm going to make such a beautiful meal for you one day, Mary. Oh, I can't wait. But are you maybe the one responsible and in charge for picking the the little foodie 
places that you go to the restaurants and Ooh, so honestly not even we're pretty 50 50 in that one too i love going to new restaurants we actually are currently in chicago and we have been spoiled mm. by the incredible restaurants here oh i loved chicago we both kind of pick and choose here but our styles are quite similar so we end up uh liking everywhere that we go uh yeah chicago has been absolutely phenomenal haven't had a single bad meal since being here okay what are some of your favorite places Ooh, okay so on our particular street there is a little french bakery and uh it's called la fournette and it's quite dangerously close to where we live <laughs> and they have this phenomenal uh sourdough bread. So we get fresh sourdough bread every week and they have these amazing apple danishes. I'm a huge apple fanatic. So Mm. if I was to contribute to the cooking style, it's that I suggest that apple should go into everything. Yes. But yeah, La Fournette is definitely one of our favorites. Are there any meals, so any dishes that you'll never forget that you were served or your husband made for you? Honestly, I'm a fan of almost everything, but I've got to say something that was really special for me. Uh, about a year ago, uh, he was gifted his very first um, KitchenAid stand mixer, and mm-hmm. it was really, really sweet. The very first thing he chose to make with it was actually a Ukrainian bread. Uh, so I'm Ukrainian, and I absolutely love uh raisin um bulka and so that was the very first thing Ooh, that so he good to make. so it was just really really thoughtful he's he's very cute in that sense uh i also absolutely adore chocolate raspberry ganache cake um it was actually one of the things that we first talked about when we first started dating uh we both had had this cake separately and just raved about it. So every year we get it. And uh, he started making it himself, which is really sweet. So less about specific dishes, but more so just the thought that goes into them. Oh, and it brings me to this question, because food is tied for many of us to so many cherished memories. Is there one for you that like you just you mentioned the ganache, but that when you smell a certain scent that it just reminds and takes you back to a moment in time where it's just such a wonderful memory? Um, so actually very recently, um, my husband and I just learned to make pierogies from scratch with my grandma. And so that's something that I think from now on, every time I hear about pierogies or I eat pierogies or we see them in a store somewhere, I think that'll be a really strong memory. Uh, she's getting older. So not that I know how to cook or have a huge interest in cooking, but I really Mm want to cherish those memories and those recipes and start learning from her. So that was something that was really incredible. Um, it's so amazing the amount of work that goes into making them, but just getting that really beautiful time together. I think that's going to be a really strong memory that holds. That's probably my strongest food memory, truthfully. It was just a really beautiful, wholesome experience. Oh, I love that. Now, I know that you are a fellow Canadian. So when you think of and you visit home, what does the Canadian food culture mean to you? Hmm. I know most people would joke to say that I just like would immediately start talking about maple syrup and wanting to put that on everything. (laughs) Right. It's so good. I wouldn't judge. (laughs) Adding a bit of that like candied uh, sort of flavor to everything. Um, I mean, I love putting brown sugar on bacon and kind of adding that caramelization. So I think anything a little bit with that like sweetness, mapley type of feel 
I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of ice wine, and that's uh, very specific to the Niagara region. So uh, Niagara is more specifically where in Canada I grew up. So I think that's going to be more close to home for me. Oh, I love that you mentioned that. You're one of the first guests to mention the ice wine. My mom uh, is actually a sommelier. And so growing up, she would always have tons of ice wine in the house. And uh, I distinctively remember, maybe this is even my kitchen confession, is uh, (laughs) she came home and was absolutely appalled. As I was mentioning earlier, I love apple. Still do not know how to cook or bake, not even back then. And I think I took this frozen apple strudel out of the freezer, toasted Uh it, and then like, sauteed pears or apples or something with her ice wine and put it all on top. So I made this like half gourmet, half horrible meal. And you say you don't know how to cook? <laughs> That's impressive. That's a minor thing. That's impressive. My very expensive ice wine on your toaster. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't win too many points for that one. But uh, yeah, no, that's a huge favorite. <laughs> but I give you a gold star for creativity. Thank you. Very resourceful. (laughs) Definitely. Okay, let's play a quick round of rapid fire. Tell us one thing most people don't know about you. Uh, I guess I'm a dual citizen for US and Canada. Oh, this is going to be fun. Name one thing from your childhood that kids today wouldn't understand. Oh, man, I was obsessed with these dolls called Groovy Girls. (laughs) I feel like most people from my childhood also didn't know what they were. That's like extra points, but I had like 60 or 70 of them. It was like my equivalent to Barbie. I loved them. They were very cool. They were super fascinating. They had more versatile outfits. I was going to ask you this question. Favorite ingredient to cook with, but we know it's a tea bag. (laughs) (laughs) If I have to pick a real ingredient, it would be apples. But yeah, I have like five. That's like the main thing I know how to cook. Name or sing a song that always puts you in a good mood. Uh... I guess we'll go Mr. Brightside by The Killers. I can just sing every word of it so that instantly brings joy. Really? Okay, can you sing a little bit of it? Oh, man. No, you do not want me to on this podcast. I think my singing is worse than my cooking. Do you have any other kitchen confessions? Oof. Um, I think I was mentioning a little bit earlier, but I have no shortage of <laughs> confessions. I feel like every time I enter the kitchen ends with some sort of embarrassing moment. Um, so this one is barely even requiring any skill of cooking, but I managed to mess it up. Uh, I distinctively remember just cutting a very buttery croissant in half and putting it in a toaster oven. Uh Oh my goodness, Mary. I think I walked out of the kitchen for like one minute and the entire thing went up in flames. Apparently it was just too buttery. And uh, yeah, not even thinking. I just sort of panicked and I opened the toaster oven, feeding so much oxygen, so many more flames. And I just like panicked again, put it in the sink, turned some water and all of the glass just shattered. So uh, that was a very eventful morning for me. Oh my gosh. I just stick to the hot water now. I drink tons of tea. Um, Yeah, no shortage, but that's probably my top one. (laughs) Oh my goodness, my face hurts. (laughs) That was awesome. Okay, so if listeners want to reach out for more information, get a hold of you, try the products, purchase something, where can they find you? Yeah, totally. So our website is idesign.com. And it's spelled A-I-L-L-E, design.com. 
Uh, and then the other best place would be Instagram. That one's most up to date if you want to learn more about what we're doing. And that tag is also at iDesign. Alexa, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It was so much fun. My pleasure. I have laughed so hard. Thank you so much, Mary. It's that time. We've reached the end of another show. Did we get your stomach growling? Head over to kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. Plus, you can check out ami.ca forward slash kitchenconfession for all the latest on the podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review so we can keep bringing you more episodes you'll love. Our producer and editor is Matt Agnew, and I'm your host, Mary Mammolini. Thanks for listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.